So hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Amber Winston, and welcome to the Return of Ritual online show. Um, I am so honored to have a very beautiful and special guest with us here today. Um, her name is Libby. So welcome, Libby. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. So the reason I, I wanted to start this project, um, the Return of Ritual, is really because I believe that sacred rituals and ceremonies have been the backbone of cultures and civilizations for millennia. But I feel recently, especially in our Western society, our modern society, that sacred ritual and ceremony has somewhat been stripped or removed from kind of our everyday existence. And so it's my mission to really bring back the sacred into our everyday lives. And through that, talk to people like yourself and others and really learn, you know, well, what are your sacred rituals? What are your sacred ceremonies? And then hopefully that provides inspiration for those of you that are listening on how you can, one, kind of connect more deeply to yourself, to your communities, and ultimately work through whatever it is that you want to work through in this lifetime. Um, I met Libby in the community here in Southern California. I think that she is just such a shining bright light in our community and she's doing such fantastic work. Um, so Libby, I just wanted to start kind of right off the bat and just have you give us kind of the Cliff Notes version of how you got to where you are today. Um, death and taxes. <laughs> um, it, it, and really it's, um, I, I say that and I, I, I say it with like a lightness of being because I feel like these are two things that we um, inherently try to avoid. And it, they say it's like, it's the one thing that is certain. And what I realized um, for me, I would say three years ago, um, going through a big change in finances um, and then also loss that involved death. So the death of my grandfather, the death of my father, and then the death essentially of a career is that um, a big part of ritual that I was avoiding is the cycle of change and the cycle of life. So um, it, I feel like this became like my greatest message. It was also my biggest mess. So it was like my mess became my message and ultimately my mission, which is recognizing that the cycle of change, the cycle of life, this ritual of um, birth, life, death, rebirth, is something not only do we need to, especially here in the West, like explore at a deeper level, um, it's something we get to embrace because it truly is the only way that we will transform. And so um, this, I, I've known this, I would say my whole life, but it became, you know, it's like, I feel like the universe brings you messages and then it's like, okay, she's not listening. So we literally have mm -hmm. to shatter her foundation. And that's what happened for me um, through death of my grandfather so that the two men in my in my life both um both dying within 45 days of each other um mm -hmm. and then also leaving a career which very much was a role that i was attached to six months later so that set me into this really uncovering and discovering for myself um grief so i started to take a look at not only these losses, but then also all the other losses along the way that I hadn't really honored in the ritual of 
completely allowing these things to die, allowing the fantasies to die so that I could extract, you know, the wisdom and then apply that into the rebirth. And so those experiences led to now, uh, what is my work, which is really educating people on what the heck is grief anyway, and really educating people on the intangible losses that we experience that are not celebrated or honored, especially here in the West. Um, that's the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I know there, our stories tend to be, you know, so long, but it's, that was a beautiful um, summary. And where I kind of want to go with this is a couple different directions. Um, the first direction is I would love to um, really unpack what grief is. Um, so what is grief? Great question. Can I, um, before I, I answer kind of what, through my research, my own personal experience, I would love to know how you would define grief. Ooh, I love this. Um, <laughs> so I would probably, I would probably define grief as a human experience mm -hmm. whereby we experience a loss of some sort. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I'm going to add to that um, because when before, you know, kind of met with this huge opportunity to like really, um, really understand and experience um, the healing power of grief, if you would have asked me three years ago, what's grief? I'd say it's that thing that you do when somebody dies. Cause that was the extent of like, grief is like death. It's like when somebody dies and um, the, the definitions is, first of all, grief is the natural and normal reaction to loss of any kind. And it's also the change in any normal pattern or behavior. So for example, this is where it, it gets tricky and where I wanna unpack it is that like, let's say, you're in a job and you get a promotion this is positive right it's like you're getting promoted you're moving into a new role but at the same time there can also be these mixed feelings about the unmet hopes dreams and expectations of the current role you're in and the moment mm -hmm. anything anytime there's an ending anytime there's an ending and this can be again throughout perception positive or negative anytime there's an ending our brain automatically goes into life review and we're reviewing that timeline of that relationship, um, all the things that we that we didn't do. Very rarely is it when we look back and we we regret the things that we did. It's more about what we didn't do. Um, it's mm -hmm. about the unmet hopes, dreams, and expectations. So this is where it's conflicting feelings caused by any change, you know, in a normal pattern of behavior. Any, you know, even a. Um, uh, we see this like another good example is like when somebody wins the lottery, mm -hmm. you know, it's like there's I mean, I could go on and on about like all of the ways that, you know, loss and grief impacts us on a day to day basis. But the important thing to I think to understand that I want to share is that it's natural and normal. There's like there's no linear path through grief. There's no book that anybody can write that's like a one size fits all approach. And 
I think until you have the experiencing of a loss that really impacts you in that way, it's all intellectual until mm-hmm. you actually get into the experiencing of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that just by having you share that, it reframes things for probably a lot of people who are listening to this that immediately associate grief with death. Right. And I love that you shared something positive, like a job promotion could actually be uh, grief inducing for somebody. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I think that just completely reframes loss for so many people. I mean, it does for me. Um, yeah. So I think that that's beautiful. And it just shows how multifaceted the grieving process is. And one piece too about work, which is, you know, my background is like as an executive Um, And then also I worked in the radio and entertainment industry. And what I didn't realize at the time and why, again, I realize now looking back that me being stuck was actually not being me being stuck. It was that was the result of unresolved grief that I had from the previous role I was in. So there's a lot of unresolved grief in the workplace. And when Mm -hmm. I'm working with executives and they come into their role and they're like, how am I recreating the same patterns and the same scenarios that I had in the last job? And it's, to me, it's very clearly, it's about um, nothing ever goes away until it teaches us what we need to know. This is true for all of our relationships. So, you know, that old idea of whether it's a job or a, a romantic partnership or a friendship, leave them better than when you found them. Because if you don't, you're doomed to take that unresolved grief into the next relationship. So while the physical mm. relationship may end, the emotional relationship doesn't. Mm. And that's really what my work is about, is helping you to uncover undelivered communications, like all the things you wish were different, better, or more, the unmet hopes, dreams, and expectations, So because this undelivered communications, which again, we can relate it to feeling stuck, literally keeps us stuck in this holding pattern until we deliver and move from being emotionally incomplete to complete. Mm, So powerful. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's such powerful work. Um, And even if anybody's listening to this, that might be thinking, oh, well, I haven't really experienced any grief. So I don't, you know, I don't think that I should do that work. Well, I'm actually thinking that most people should probably dive into just investigating, like when was the first time in your life that maybe you experienced a loss or grief? Like just even that question alone is like making me think back in my own timeline and go, hmm, I wonder when that would have been for me. And and is there any residual work that needs to be resolved, you know, on my evolutionary journey back to sacred wholeness? Right. Um, Right. It's a good question to And that idea too of what you just said in wholeness is that when there is, you know, there is unresolved grief. And if you're a human being, a hundred percent, you have some unresolved grief, a hundred percent. Intellectually, we can think that we're over something, but I find in most cases, how we approach, you know, grief or loss is very much, we try to solve it at the level of the mind when Mm -hmm. it's so, it's so beyond that. And Um, you know, I say intellectually accurate, emotionally useless, like even in the way that when there is a loss, like for say example, job loss, what do we tell people to do? Replace the loss, just get another job. Mm. Uh, Same thing with a relationship, you know, you 
break up with somebody, it's like, you were better than them anyway. There's more fish in the sea. It's like intellectually accurate, emotionally useless. And so not only is it wonderful about coming complete with your past, but if you can recognize that this is embracing loss, the same that we, way that we embracing, uh, we embrace manifestation will help you immediately step into a place of being a co-creator. Mm. Like I want to get people as excited about learning yeah. how to move through loss as they do through manifesting because actually unresolved grief is the key to manifestation. Wow. Okay. So let's take that and let's, um, think about how, and maybe you can share a personal example, but how has ritual or ceremony or getting out of the mind and getting into the mythic, how has that kind of helped maybe you personally resolve some of the grief or the trauma? So I would say um, two things have been very powerful for me, actually three, but um, the first one of, you know, going deep into studying, you know, other teachers, other traditions, specifically grief. Um, mm -hmm. And then also, um, I'm also a coach. So I really work with like the neuroscience of coaching. So understanding not only grief, but like what's happening in the nervous system, what's happening in the brain, why do we get stuck in that buffering state? But in terms of ritual, I think the most impactful for me has been studying Kundalini yoga. And in Kundalini yoga, um, a part of my ritual every day, my, my morning practice, my sadhana is um, absolutely breath work because I find that that is so helpful for me in clearing the clutter. Um, and then mm -hmm. I do a meditation called um, the Kriya to clear um, past karma. And oh. this, this Kriya, which is a meditation um, using a mantra, Wahe Guru, Wahe Guru, Wahe Gio, which is moving from the darkness to the light. And in Kundalini, um, we there's 10 bodies and the sixth body is called the arc line. And the arc line goes from earlobe to earlobe. And then ladies, we have an additional arc line, which makes us naturally more intuitive, that goes from nipple to nipple. It's why we can kind of sense from here. It's like, you can think of it as our energetic mm -hmm. boundary. It's like danger, danger. You need to pay attention to that. <laughs> um, but the arc line, you know, the arc line, if you can see it right here, it's, um, it's that same kind of halo depicted in paintings of saints like Christ or the Buddha um, mm -hmm. or Beyonce at the Met, Gal, uh, Met Gala, if you remember that, where she was wearing the... Um, so this this arc line you know also houses all of our dramas and traumas mm -hmm. so when you know when there's that accumulation there what happens is we're cut off from intuition you know we're 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 our intuition is more kind of like extended out into our environment like i need to see how everybody else feels because then that will give me information on how i feel instead of the other way around so yeah Part of my ritual in this meditation is you're coming through the arc line and i like to imagine here it's just like it's clearing and, and this is seven generations back seven generations forward so like as you know mm -hmm. you and i have had many conversations about this if you're listening to this right now this is definitely a message for you um we're not just doing this for ourselves but we're doing it for all of our relations 
And so mm-hmm. when I'm doing this meditation and I'm, again, just thinking about clearing the arc line, I'm thinking about, you know, clearing, you know, past karma, um, you know, for my family, my friends and my community. And I'm telling you, it's, it's such powerful work. And so that mm-hmm. has become um, a everyday ritual for me, not just, you know, following the lunar cycle, but like everything, because we're accumulating undelivered communications every day. Like yeah. when we're in conversation and, and, and we're speaking with somebody and it's like, okay, I really need to talk to him about this, but oh, now's not the right time. The only right time is the time that you're thinking of in that moment, because each time you don't say something, um, we're just accumulating more here through the arc line of those undelivered communications. So this this practice for me every day, um, where it's like, I don't even have to know what it is. I just have to have the intention of like really clearing and then coming mm-hmm. back into intentionally like intentionally how, you know, what is important for me in that moment, in that day, and then coming back to that throughout the day. So that's, I think, first and foremost, if I'm doing that, I know the rest of the day is unfolding as it should. That's a great morning practice. And, you know, to hear you talk about the arc line and in the shamanic traditions of of Peru that I've done some study with, this is referenced to as our Wiracocha or our eighth chakra. And so same work yes. is kind of happening there. And that's what's so beautiful about doing this research is that all traditions, you know, have the same rituals or the same tools. They just have different names or different right. methods of relating to them. Um, mm-hmm. And so for those of you that might not have been watching the video, Libby was just kind of like scooping in front of her face and then like, mm-hmm across the crown of the head and back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you just do that for as long as you feel, is that kind of what you're doing in the morning? So there's a, um, so you can do this meditation three minutes, 11 oh, minutes right. or 31 minutes. Um, so okay. I would say in, in any time I'm feeling, you know, cause it, it happens, especially when, you know, if you are in, um, Part of the work that you do is with other people holding space in this way. Absolutely, this should happen several times throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. But anytime you're feeling, it, it's like anytime I feel like I'm not, like I'm not, I can't, it's like the intuition, it's like I know that this is the practice for me to help me come back to center. Mm-hmm. Just intentionally um, clearing through the arc line, so powerful. And in Kundalini, too, we say, you know, if, if you think of like your auric field as your vehicle, then the arc line is your steering wheel. So we want to make mm. sure that we're driving, you know, in the right direction on the right. Oh, I road. love that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. On the right <laughs> road. That, that, that reminds me, um, I was having a really great conversation with somebody. Um, and we were talking about climbing the corporate ladder. Oh yeah. And and he said to me, he said, yeah, yeah, that's all well and good. But have you ever thought about what wall your ladder's leaning up against? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's really beautiful to think about. Like, I wonder if my ladder's leaning up against the right wall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of that. You know, it's like, are you on the right road? Are you leaning up against the right wall? Like mm-hmm. these moments, I think when we can do the morning rituals or the morning practices, 
um, and have them spill out into our entire day, like that allows you to really create the life that you want to be living, um, or at least help me do that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I love these. Do you have any, um, what about in the evening? Like when you're coming mm-hmm. home, do you do anything in the evening, like ritual wise, um, before you yeah. go to bed or anything to share there? Yes. So I like to do, um, I like to do the practice, the Kriya to clear past karma morning and night, like even if it's okay. just three minutes. Um, and then the the other breath that I like to do, it's called the eight stroke breath for energy and stress release. And I find that this is a really wonderful way um, to recalibrate at the end of the day. Um, and it's eight sniffs in and then one long exhale out through the nose. And, you know, I teach others and I also experience it in myself that my exhale breath, I look at is equivalent to my ability to let go. So if I'm not getting that complete exhale, then um, it to me, it's an indication that there's a holding an attachment somewhere. So I really mm-hmm. focus on that exhale breath. Um, and then both at the start and at the end of the day, one thing that I'm so grateful for is the gratitude practice. So, yeah. you know, that you know, that practice in the morning, you know, as part of my, you know, um, morning sadhana. And then at night, I find, again, it's like, you can have all the knowledge and information, but if we're so like, I'm so hardwired to like, I need to watch TV before I go to bed. I I don't, I actually don't need to do that. Um, but it's like, it's, you know, it's like, I'll get to a point in the evening and I'll, I'll kind of even hear my body being like, what are we doing? We're supposed to be watching TV at this time. Like we're supposed to be Uh watching TV, but maybe texting and on your laptop, like not anywhere. Um, and so Mm -hmm. I've really shifted to being very mindful of like how I spend my two hours before bed, because I've noticed my quality of sleep you know, the dreams in which I have, and then also the amount of, um, I call it um, the dream hangover. So it's like, you know, sometimes when you wake up in the morning, it's like you have the dream hangover. I notice if I'm mindful, if I'm mindful of what I'm consuming before bed in terms of what am I putting in my body in terms of stimulation, that I wake up with literally zero dream hangover. Um, but if oh my I gosh, do, I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I have dream hangers, hangovers every day. Yeah, exactly. Oh my exactly. gosh. And then the, so the first thing that I would do in the morning for that, like as a remedy, and this is also just a rituals, I do, um, three minutes of ego eradicator and ego eradicator <laughs> So that's fist of anger. That would be great as well. Oh. So this one is also okay. really good for the arc line. Um, yeah. Ego eradicator is four fingers in, thumbs up, and then arms are up overhead. And then okay. eyes are closed up and in at the brow point, and then breath of fire. Got it. Yeah. It's a beautiful, I love these little, um, kundalini yoga tips i mean and and it's nice to think that we can weave in movement into ritual i mean ritual can really be anything right it can be being conscious when you're making your cup of tea in the morning like that can be just a sacred ritual in itself and 
what I'm also discovering is, you know, ritual doesn't have to be just in the morning or just in, in the evening. Like yeah. the whole day can become a ritual practice when you're giving your credit card to pay for your groceries. Like that can be a sacred ritual of like, thank you. And I wish that all beings everywhere can have, you know, the, the means to feed themselves or saying prayers yeah. or blessings just throughout your day. Um, I just love focusing on the morning and the evening because I think it's kind of attainable for people. Um, so I love your practices. They're beautiful. I do want to shift gears a little bit um, because I think that diving kind of back into the grief in the sense of how do we support people who are grieving? Because I feel personally, this is not something we're taught in school. A lot of people are frozen. They don't know how to respond when they hear tragic news. Um, and they don't know how to react or relate. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I wanted to have you share, Libby, just a little bit about um, can we support people who mm -hmm. are going through loss or grief? Yeah, we absolutely can. Um, and one of the, I'm actually writing two books right now. One is, um, you know, a, a guide for loss. And the other one is called, um, We Don't Want Your Advice. <laughs> the companion guide for how to support others going through grief. Because um, again, I, I think the natural thing to do is when we see somebody that's hurting, that's they've experienced a loss, we're going to relate to them from either one, our personal experience with a similar loss, or mm -hmm. two, some intellectually accurate, emotionally useless BS like everything happens for a reason, you're strong, you're gonna get through this. While all of that may be intellectually accurate, it's absolutely emotionally useless. Um, one of the best things that we can do is be very aware of how we invalidate other people's experiences when they share with us about whatever's going on and, and if this is a loss. So- Wait, what did you say how we do what? how we invalidate invalidate okay invalidate okay. um and so part of the invalidation is um so here's an example my dad died you know a few years ago and i had many people reach out to me saying i know what you're feeling my dad died too and i was like mm -hmm. i don't think you do because my dad wasn't your dad and remember when any change in a relationship, we go into that life review. So the things that are going to be unmet hopes, dreams, and expectations for my dad, um, the things that I need to apologize or forgive are going to be very different for me than they are for you. So when we say things like that, we think that we're relating where it's like, I'm here for right. you. What we're actually doing is minimizing that person's experience. So like wow. one of the best things that we can do is we can, we can relate and say, wow, like I can't even imagine what you're feeling. All I know is how I felt when my dad died and it was awful. And then listen, mm -hmm. because when we start to go into, here's what I did. Like, I mean, I had such a visceral experience of what not to do. Like I was so aware of it that I knew that I feel so hyper aware right now. I there's something happening for me. And I, I know now that it's because I'm here to kind of share people how we can companion through grief. 
but it mm-hmm. truly is listening. And listening means listening without giving any BS advice. I mean, truly, it's it really comes from a place of listening and and not saying, let me know if you need anything. Because let me tell you, when you go through a loss, you actually have no idea what you need. And so right. coming over with like a meal or, you know, booking a foot massage or things like, you know, gestures or let me go get your car washed, like all of those things, just knowing that people are there because most people, we, 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 um, tsunami people with kindness right from the loss to like maybe seven to 10 days after when people really need support is that two months, that three months when it's like the stress hormones, you know, it's their, their systems are kind of maybe coming back, you know, online. And then they're like, holy shit, like things are real. Like there isn't this emotions. Like that's when people really need support and and need need for us to show up. I mean, if you just did those three things, I <laughs> they're gonna remember like, wow. And then and then again, the other thing too, Amber, is not taking things personal. So I I, I did there were a couple right. of things that I, you know, lost along the way because I didn't return their texts. And it's like, listen, sister, this isn't about you and me getting right. back to you and your text. And so, yeah, really, I don't want to say true colors, but you find, um, we really, grief has a wonderful way of helping us to discern and cut through the crap into the people that we want in our lives. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Just those, those tips I think are just such great reminders for people and, and almost like, don't be afraid to, to offer that generosity or kindness, you know, um, because I think too, people, you know, everybody's going to handle loss differently. So some people are going to want to emote and talk about it. Other people are going to want to retreat. And so I, and tell me what you think, but if somebody's more on the retractive side, just kind of going inward, you can still show up for them and offer them yes. generosity and kindness. Like don't think that them retracting is not wanting any, wanting help. What do you think about that? I think a hundred percent. And, you know, in my, in that eight week course that I do, which is really to help people through whether it's a particular loss now or say it's a loss from long ago. And one of the things that we talk about is one of the myths in which we're taught at an early age, which is grieve alone. So many of us, when we go into isolation and grieving alone, it's not necessarily because it's innately what we want to do, but it's, that's what we've learned to do is like when I'm feeling Mm -hmm. bad, it makes other people around me also feel uncomfortable. So I need to do this alone. Wow. And so the grieve alone in isolation, which to me is something in the spiritual community I want to shine the light on because there's taking time for yourself and then there's taking time for yourself and being in isolation because it's too painful to be around other people that bring up emotions or unresolved grief that we'd rather not look at. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Wow. This is this is just so many so many wonderful things um that we've covered so far today. Um it's been really remarkable. I think that 
I'm really curious for you, Libby, um, to, I always like to ask this kind of fun question at the end um, about archetypes. Are you working with a specific archetype in your life? Is there one showing up for you? Is there any sort of archetype that or message that wants to kind of come through an archetype? Um, what do you have to share about that? I, I have two and I have an example right over here. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> Oh, is that um, uh, Lakshmi? Kuan Yin. Kuan Yin, beautiful. So um, Kuan Yin, um, I very much, when I think of, um, you know, it's, it's when people are like, did you know this is what you wanted to do? And I was like, no. When I was growing up on a farm in Iowa, I did not say, I want to make grief and helping people navigate loss, my life mission, like this, this was not, this was not how I thought it would manifest. But what I've always wanted to do is really help and support people and inspire and mm -hmm. provide a very neutral, safe place. So it's like, I, I think that's one thing that I feel so grateful for in terms of gift is the gift of neutrality and, and mm -hmm. being able to be with people, um, in such a way that they can really relax into being. And so Kuan Yin, I find um, there's so many qualities that I, that I love and resonate. And at the same time, the other is, um, and this is part of my um, new updated logo for Liberated, which is a phoenix rising from the ashes, which- Amazing. Yeah, to me, like those two combine, it's like being able to have that power of that phoenix rising through the ashes but then also the compassion and the capacity, yeah. you know, to, to hold the space for healing of Kuan Yin. Um, it, that, those are the two that, that really called to me and that I work with. Those are beautiful. I, I actually have a, a Kuan Yin over there as well. Um, and she, she's beautiful and she's just always there reminding me about how can you be more compassionate? How can you be yeah. more compassionate? And I think that that just, People forget, you know, when you get cut off by the angry driver in front of you, you don't really know what's going on in their lives. And I think yeah. that that is true for so many of us walking around in this world that we exist in. You know, how can we just be a little bit more compassionate? We really have no idea what's yeah. going on for them. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for those. I love those. Yeah. Um, I think the last kind of question that I, I like to just kind of leave with is, you know, when we have these conversations, there might be things that kind of bubble up onto your heart or you feel very called to share something else um, with our listeners or community about ritual or about the grief process. So Libby, is there anything else that you feel like you just want to share before yeah. we sign off today? I think the, um, the thing that I really want to share is just the awareness of how loss is alive and well in your life, and then more importantly, how you approach it. So um, there's over 43 different types of loss, and many of them are not you know, celebrated or honored here in the West, like um, loss of identity, loss of safety, loss of trust. And I think it's really important for us to start to recognize how we invalidate, invalidate our own experience and minimize our experience by saying, I should be over this by now. Like this shouldn't bother me. Um, 
the truth of the matter, again, going back to nothing ever goes away until it teaches us what we need to know. So if you have these undelivered communications and you'll know it because first thing in the morning, it's the tape that you hit play and it starts going is I, I really just encourage and empower people to, um, to give that a voice to your experience because it carries such a powerful message. And if you don't think it's impacting your quality of presence, you are absolutely wrong. You know, there's, there's so much presence available to us, but if we're not kind of going through and clearing all these past dramas and traumas, and again, without mm -hmm. needing, without needing to make anybody wrong, it's like that what's on my heart is just to empower people of like, you know, in our past, what happened to us wasn't necessarily our fault. Even as a child, we responded the only way that we could with the tools that we had available. But as an adult, it is absolutely our responsibility to take that responsibility for how we choose to respond or react. How much longer are you going to hold someone else emotionally hostage for your feelings? Like this is a, this is a huge wake up call and we see it throughout our world today, you know, not to get into politics, but politics, like, mm -hmm. you know, as without, so within. So it's like how just even having the simple of awareness of like, wow, who am I holding hostage for how I'm feeling? And if you can just aware into that, then you can take the proper steps of ritual and, and go through that beautiful way of releasing. Um, mm -hmm. wow, that was, that was more on my heart than I thought, but yeah, that feels very important to share. Yeah, no, I feel that it, it, it absolutely is. It's having the awareness, just starting there. And then I know that you, you have a lot of really great resources. So we're going to link to those in the show notes. Um, Libby's put together an amazing guide. Um, it's 61 tips on the experience of grief and how to help people through it. But yeah. I think that would be just a really amazing resource and, and to start to ponder, I think is also our message. Yes. Yeah, call up, you know, just reflect on your, your life, your lineage, you know, I'll just share something brief because I feel like it's relevant. Um, when I started doing a lot of the shamanic healing work and that with an immense feeling of sadness, like the deepest sadness that I have ever known. And I was like, where does this come from? I'm like, I had a pretty good childhood. I have so many blessings. Like, but there was just this immense, deep sadness that I brought forth and worked through. And, and I think that goes back to like clearing the arc line, right? Because we are our mother's daughters, our grandmother, you know, the lineage of uh, of our past relations. You know, if I think about my lineage, that's war generation, that's Europe. Like there was a lot of sadness, a lot of grief that can just be passed down through our ancestral DNA that if you have the awareness of, well, hey, how is that showing up in my life? And then, you know, pursue exploring ways to kind of move through it. I think we're just going to be a way more conscious society. And so I just want to thank you, Libby, so much for your work and for your message. Um, I think this is so powerful and just thank you so much. Thank you, Amber. It's such an honor. And thank you for what you're doing and being able to share. I love that you're taking rituals and you're sharing it in this beautiful way with these many different translations. Mm -hmm. 
It's very powerful and meaningful work. So it's an honor. Oh, thank you so much, Libby.